Welcome and happy Friday. It's September 23rd, 2016, and this is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I am here with Pauly Dibner, who's our managing editor and uh, a podcast newbie, right? This is your first time? My first time on the Traveler podcast and in podcasting in general, I used to host a radio show at my last job. Oh my God, I feel so inadequate now. Just, Just saying. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, I'll just turn the mic over. And we have two special guests today, not just one. We have, they are here by Skype, so if there's any audio weirdness, that's why. We have Michaela Drake, who is the founder of My Traveling Nanny. We'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. And then we have Zeke Freeman, who is the founder of Be Raw Honey, and also happens to be, full disclosure, my neighbor, and he is also a parent, which will be relevant when we talk about the subject of today's podcast. This is the third in a four-part series that we're running. We are loosely titling Crazy Travel Jobs We Can't Believe Exist mm. and Wish We Could Have. And The other three episodes were on Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, the other two episodes that we've done so far are worth checking out, especially the first one. We can talk about that in the post-game. The topic of the week is childcare and traveling. And Michaela runs this company, as, as we said, that is called My Traveling Nanny. And Michaela, maybe you can explain what My Traveling Nanny is. So uh, My Traveling Nanny started when I used to work for families and travel with them, usually abroad, on holiday with them. And has now ended up as I'm running an agency that does the same thing, but I send other people out to do the work instead of myself. <laughs> it's way better that uh, way. <laughs> So the most standard form is uh, to go on holiday with a family. It's a two-week summer vacation, but beyond that, there are hundreds of different variations. The people obviously travel for work, and they take someone with them to look after the kids either all of the time or just, just for some of the time. People that go on really cool trips, people that go on private jets, but also very normal families who share a, share a traveling nanny rather than using a hotel crash. I have a question that's kind of for you and for Polly. What is the difference between a traveling nanny and an au pair? I don't really know what an au pair is. So the language in this, sorry, if I'm going to, I'm going to jump in. Um, okay. I, in my previous life, Brad, before I was a magazine editor, worker bee, I was a, I ran a childcare agency in New York, which is oh. why I think Meredith tapped me for this thing. And I used to be a traveling babysitter myself. And I placed a bunch of people in various regards. An au pair, if I have remembered correctly, is when people stateside bring in almost as an exchange program foreign full-time care into the states they're here for a set period of time they have very strict rules on like how many hours they can work and when they can work it's almost an internship with like how regulated au pair ships are hmm. and then they leave at a certain period of time you can only have an au pair for a year and then they trade in and out a nanny, yeah. is, a nanny is someone who you hire who can stay with you for ever and ever and ever. A traveling nanny, traveling babysitter is someone, in my experience, who you hire when you're full-time care, if you have that thing, can't go with you for any reason. They have their own holidays to, to participate in or they can't leave for visa reasons, whatever. And you want someone who can travel with you for a shorter two-week, three-week, one-week stint, but they're not your full-time regular care. Michaela, is that basically what you guys, how you guys Yeah, basically. It and it would be very unusual for an au pair to work on kind of a traveling job. Usually it's just to go into the family's kind of normal home environment and help look after them while the parents are at work. Whereas a traveling nanny is, is like you said, for a shorter period of time, generally for going away with work or for leisure. Sometimes it can be a full-time nanny that goes with the family. Um, mm -hmm. But most of ours on our agency are people like teachers and nursery nurses who do this kind of work in their holidays. 
And when, when we actually did a piece on you, Mark Elwood, one of our writers, one of our contributing editors, did a piece on you, and he mentioned that you're now up to 150 nannies. Yeah, we've got hundred over 150 now traveling nannies on our books. A lot of them in London, but also all over. Occasionally, we'll get a random request in somewhere in the middle of the Alps, and we'll we'll have someone like a neighboring town, and it, <laughs> it always feels quite amazing. Um, but often they travel from London to meet or the family, or they travel from London together with the family on the plane to wherever they're going. You're sort of a, an internet-based company, right, give or take? Sure. And are most of your clients coming from London? Yeah, I'd say maybe definitely most, but not all. So maybe 70%. We do get, um, by word of mouth, it goes everywhere. So we do get people who maybe used to live in London, now live in Hong Kong or whatever, and are visiting Europe. Lots of people come over and visit places like Tuscany and Paris and places that us um, Brits kind of take <laughs> take for granted. And they travel a long way from, even from Australia. And they have someone meet them here. But often the, a lot of the perk is the flight. If it's a long haul flight, you want the nanny with you because <laughs> it's a bit of a nightmare with kids. Yeah. I also read that there's a there's actually a, a UK law that says that every child has to have a nanny or, yeah, or rather so, an adult, an adult. Yeah. So every child under two has to travel with an adult. So um, if you're a mom who's traveling singly or to meet the um, partner and you've got two children under two, which is very possible, even if you don't have twins, then, yeah, you are not allowed to travel by yourself. So um, we also get requests for people literally just wanting someone to go on the plane with them, sit with the kid and fly straight back again. I'm wondering, do people actually come to you? How do you actually recruit? How do you find the, the, the yeah, nannies? Yeah, I mean, we don't have to find the nannies at all. They come to us. Um, Again, it's it's people like university students who've always done babysitting. It's teachers. Mm -hmm. And as, as soon as one of them knows about it, it it's kind of just goes word of mouth viral. We have too many people applying. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have enough people requiring the service to need the amount of people that because obviously it sounds like a really amazing job on paper especially as a student who probably can't afford to go to many places in the world. I liked that caveat there. That sounds like a really good job on paper. It felt like a very sweet parenthetical. <laughs> because it, because yeah. it, because it's not? Uh, because it is and it isn't. It depends, <laughs> it depends on lots of factors. <laughs> I'm going to weigh in on more of the nightmares. I've had some like horrific travel babysitting experiences. I've had two really wonderful ones, and then everything else has been pretty horrible. Wow. Okay, hold that thought for just two, just two seconds. One of the things that I was curious about is apparently you get a lot of last-minute requests, right? And you were just talking about that. How yeah. do the people in your network, like what kind of jobs do they have? You mentioned teacher, you mentioned a couple of other things, but what kind of what kind of jobs do you look for people to be having so that they can be available to you like that? Well, I mean, teachers and nursery nurses are ideal because we know they've got the holiday breaks. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it's a lot of kind of freelancing people. So, for example, actors, yeah. actresses, usually really good with kids and don't have kind of full-time work unless they're on some kind of production. Yeah, I mean, we've got puppeteers, we've got children's party entertainers, people who don't work kind of normal nine to five jobs are absolutely perfect for us. And usually if, the, if a really good or good sounding job comes in and they have like one gig booked or something, they'll cancel it because they want to go to Thailand or wherever it is. So they're, they're really brilliant. But to be honest with you, students are just as good. They've got longer holidays. A lot of people want young, fun, energetic nannies to run around on the beach when the parents just want to sit down and have a little chill so we're not really that specific but yeah they're they're the main and there was even retired people who just 
never got grandkids or didn't get to see them as much and just want to spend time with children. It's quite sweet. Can I ask a question as the super paranoid parent? Totally. Sure. Which I'm totally not, but I'm just going to play the play <laughs> not, role. Be not you never. So, so uh, what, kind of, what kind of background checks and, um, you know, history do you go into with your nannies? Because obviously you're sending people totally. out who they've never met and putting them on a plane with sure. their children and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we basically check everything we physically can. <laughs> yeah. um, so we, they all have a police check um, that's dated uh, recently. They all have first aid checks. They've had to pass an, a pediatric first aid exam in the UK. We check three references and we usually make sure they've done a job which is a traveling job or represents a traveling job rather than just being a full-time nanny for 10 years because the differences in personality needed for traveling job to someone who's worked for a family forever are huge. People just think if you're a nanny, you can be a traveling nanny. And I would argue that that's not necessarily the case. Totally. Uh, we also do an interview. Yeah, I mean, everything you can possibly do. ID check. So we're, we're pretty damn sure they're good before they <laughs> before we let them with you. And also, obviously, we always recommend that they meet the family first. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. If they're in London, they'll do a trial. They'll meet the kids. They'll And if not, worst case scenario, they meet on Skype. You know, they, they send emails. They, you know, they get to know each other as much as possible. Apart from, obviously, like I said about the last minute job, sometimes it's for tomorrow morning and someone will call us now. <laughs> so we're kind of limited on what we can do. Um, in that scenario, we usually only put people forward who have done traveling jobs for us in the past, and we've retrieved their comments from the people they went away with. So we know firsthand that they were amazing, basically. How much kind of Match.com action do you do, both in terms of like, you know, trying to find the right person for a particular, like every family is totally different, different, you know, like we're all crazy and different destinations can re require different skill sets. I mean, just language alone can be something yeah. that you have to think about, but also all kinds of other skill sets. So what's the process for doing that? Yeah, definitely. And we try and do that as much as possible. If we have enough notice on a job, then it's usually quite easy and significant and we can do quite a lot. We get quite a lot of, like you said, language requests, but also qualified swim teacher mm -hmm. or tennis player or the weirdest one we've ever had is someone with experience with llamas. <laughs> <laughs> I never really found out what that was about. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I think they were staying on the llama farm, but anyway. <laughs> I wonder how the experience Just... helped them. Like any kind of equine you think or had to be llamas. That's amazing. That sounds like a real paranoid parent right yeah. there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we try and do as much as possible and, and, and quite a lot of the time. The swimming teacher one is huge or lifeguard type. You know, they've done kind of life-saving um, courses and that's quite easy we've got quite a few teachers and things who have that qualification tutoring as well if they're going away for a whole summer sometimes they want someone who's got experience with their child's age group so they can help them with like keeping up with their schoolwork in their spare time or if they struggle with maths maybe they give them some extra tuition but yeah we do we do do that I'd say about 75% of the jobs we do, we match because of a skill rather than because of a location or, or um, convenience factor, because a lot of the time that's what kind of sets us apart. We're, uh, we're quite personalized. Great. Zeke, have you ever used a service or have you guys just traveled with your regular nanny? We've always traveled with our regularly, regularly. I mean, I, and it never even occurred to me that there was a service. And now that I know there's a service, you know, I can't <laughs> wait to, you know, I'm like thinking in my head. So my next question is, what are your boundaries? Do you guys have any boundaries? Do you have somebody in South Africa? <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> no, but it's a great uh, question, right? 
Potentially, potentially we do. I don't know off the top of my head. I'd have to search in the in the database. Yeah, we don't have real, really any geographical boundaries apart from the fact that depending on where you were going, you might have to fly someone from a near, nearby country to meet you. So you might sure. miss that first flight of help, um, which right. is, as I said, sometimes the hardest part. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, boundaries job-wise, I mean, people have asked us all sorts of things. So um, as long as it's legal, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that is the, that's the thing that I have found is like hard to navigate and monitor once a travel gig starts is the like amount yeah. of hours your sitter is in use. Yeah. Um, and the, the ask of things that you are asking them to do, like what that scope is. Because once you stick them on a plane and they go to St. Bart's for 16 days, it's like you have to have faith that your sitter's up for the gig and that your client isn't going to totally take advantage because they kind of get in bed together for two weeks or so, right? And so you want them to like give your sitter an hour of downtime in the afternoon. And all of those things I would, I would argue should be talked about ahead of time. Um, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, and you're paying a premium for this skill. You you kind of get someone that's yours for 24 hours a day. Do they have yeah. contracts, Polly? Did you, when you would send them, would, is there like an agreement that you draw up beforehand that spells all those things out? There's a client. So I used to work for a babysitting agency called Sensible Sitters. They're based in New York. They offer this service as like one of the other things. They they do part time placement, full time placements, on call care, and they do this thing, travel care. And there's a regular client agreement, like when you sign up with the agency, I would tell you they don't do the like schedule A, the one-off agreement per trip. And having done a few of them, like I would highly recommend having a conversation about expectations up front because like once you get in the air, everything's kind of off limits. There's nothing that is off limits to be clear. So we, the, we used to do it without a contract and yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. And totally. now we make sure we have a kind of standardized document that they can edit and both sign before they go away so they know the expectations. Yeah, that is but so like smart. you said, it is, difficult, it is difficult to tell when you're starting work and when you're not working, especially some of the jobs. If you're on a boat with a family for two weeks, um, you're when off. you're off, you're still on the boat <laughs> <laughs> and the children are still pulling at your leg yeah. and you still... Or, uh, sleeping in a room with them, or so, and no one will a, put sunscreen on your back. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, yeah. You have to master the skill of doing your own sunscreen on your back, which <laughs> I can finally do. Yeah. May I recommend Saran wrap? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> took a took a weird turn there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Zeke, when you guys go with your regular nanny, do you have a discussion beforehand? Has this ever kind of been part of the dialogue with her? So we take her to our weekend place often. And mm -hmm. so we already have kind of terms around, you know, how much extra are we going to pay you for overnights as opposed to just your daily, you know, weekly stipend. So we have some of that already kind of in place um, with her. So we use that same standard when we travel is, yes, you're kind of on most of the day, but, you know, you get paid extra for being there overnight and and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's not super formalized, but we definitely have an agreement in terms of pay. And, you know, she's been with us a long time, so we try not to take advantage of her. Uh, we try to take good care of her and make sure she has an evening off for two. And we give her, you know, some afternoons off. And frankly, we want to spend some time with our kids, too. So when we're spending time with our kids, you know, we let her have her free time. It seems like a different kind of dynamic, right? Like she's been with the kids for a long time, knows the kids really well, knows them in and out. And then, Michaela, your service is kind of more professionalized in a way. I mean, you can sort of hire for that, but that dynamic between 
the sitter and the children is something that has had years to evolve in one case and is happening, you know, kind of like on the moment yeah. in the other. That's why I always argue that, uh, you know, that's why we have to speak to people on interview and find out what their kind of personality is like, because there's a certain type of personality that will allow someone to walk into a family, get down on the level with the kids and the kids will love them within a day. Obviously not to the same level of, as three years, but for sure. a level that on a holiday is beneficial and, the, and that they will still want to go to the uh, sitter and not the parents all the time and be clingy. And um, that's what we're really interviewing for and finding those people. Yeah. Zeke, do you guys ever, I mean, let's get into the downside a little bit. Do you guys ever sort of feel like the personal space issues can kind of come up, right? Like you're on your vacation and you've got somebody who can give you a break, which isn't really important. You guys are both, you both have jobs that are pretty busy. And so getting away is important and that kind of helps. But at the, by the same token, there's this sense in which you have to be on all the time when somebody else is around. Does that ever come up? Have you guys ever talked about that? You know, Marissa and I have always done a really good job of finding our space. And so we don't have any problem with it. And personally, I think that that's, that's a parent's fault if they can't figure out how to like make their space. And, you know, if they've got a clingy kid that wants to be on their leg all the time, it's not just up to the nanny to, you know, solve that problem. It's up to the parent to say, we're going out or we've made, you know, we've made plans for you guys to go out and do this fun thing. See you later. Go. Yeah, that seems like a really good strategy. Either you get out of the house or send them out of the house to get some space. That's a great idea. That's definitely one way. I always make sure, especially with the young um, student traveling nannies, that they know that you know they might be there all the time, but when the family are having quite obvious family time, like playing a board game nicely all together and or doing, you know, doing an activity together, and it's quite obvious that they're a spare part, to kind of make themselves... Not in the way, but still there. <laughs> so, for example, you know, you go in another room or you just say, I'm just going to be through here um, doing something in the kitchen if anyone needs me. And as soon as you say it once, the family know then you're not running off. You're just giving them some time and some space to not be watched. Because that's the thing. Sometimes you do feel a bit like a spare part and you're an add-on to a family, especially if you don't know them. So I always say, make sure you say that in the first day and then it will be less awkward for the rest of the week when you when you just disappear. They know you're not disappearing because you don't want to work. You're disappearing to give them that space. Other friction points, um, very rarely, but um, occasionally. In fact, I think only once it's been a major issue, just personality. So obviously, Zeke, you know your nanny and you know that you love her personality. Otherwise, she wouldn't be working for you guys. But, you know, with a traveling nanny, you might only have a few hours to interview them or a few hours to meet them. And sometimes there's just a bit of a personality clash and, and the families just don't enjoy that person's company as much as they could have done. And that's a slight can be a slight issue sometimes that you can't really solve because you can't really interview for that and you can't really match for that. Yeah. You find it out once everything is kind of in the midst exactly. of it. Exactly. Right? Then you so not we, we only want to get rid of the kids, but you want to get rid of the kids and the nanny. Like, exactly, everyone's got to go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The kids can deal we with her. We try to avoid people that are like Marmite, basically. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Polly, what, what was your experience with that? You, apparently, there were many. Oh, God, I've been so many. I just, just used to do this all the time. I was a student at, in college, and it was, like, the best way to spend your college break because you, like, pull in banks. Sorry to, like, pull, like you make so much money for, like, <laughs> like, like a week. If you think about it too hard, you're like, I'm not making enough money because you, like, start to break it down by the hours you're awake, and you're like, well, it's not really that great. But it, at the time, it feels just 
flipping magical for how much money you're making in an eight-day period. So I used to do it like every break I would go somewhere and then holiday breaks. I had a horrific 16 days in St. Bart's. Just like... Oh, no. Just like, like <laughs> could not have... Been, could that, have like, how terrible. Right? Like, you're just like in <laughs> paradise. It was like the children were demons. And uh, the parents like did a little too much blow. And, great. And, um, and I was just like on... Oh my, oh, my God. It was incredible. It was like now I'm like, oh, my God. That's like a crazy story. I wish I had recorded it. And I didn't because this is the thing that you do is you, you sign a non-disclosure. So you can't <laughs> so drop any names. Do so you have no to like names. protect the kids from the family? Totally. There was a moment. There was a moment. Like there what? was a little bit of both. There was a moment at a... Like they threw a party. And I like... The kids were supposed to be at the party. And I was kind of playing a wallflower. And I like... Saw some telltale bags poke out of corners, and I was like, "And we're going downstairs. <laughs> like, we are not going to be in this room any longer." <laughs> it was horrific. And day eight of that sixteen, I got, um, I got uh, some kind of laryngitis and like viral bug because uh, the kids had been so monstrous, and I had been kind of scolding them so much. I'm a nice person. I've been yelling at them so much that I lost my voice. And you then... are, you are a nice person. I can vouch for that. You actually don't get ruffled very easily. I really don't. And yeah. like. We would only go to beaches that had these crazy rip tides, and so the kids like. Was that intentional or just happened? happened? <laughs> like, was, were, they, were they trying to challenge you or get rid of the kids? It was crazy. I was the only entertainment on the menu. The kids couldn't go in the water, and like there was nothing to do. But the parents had these really great lounge chairs, and so I would like be like, "You can't!" Like, just yelling at the kids, like, not to go out in the water too much. Like, they were just going to die, and so I lost my voice and. And then one of the one of the moms, there are two there's two sets of parents, um, gave me a Z pack, so like because she traveled with a Z pack, great backup plan idea. I love that. And then, and then someone else in the family got sick too, so she took it away. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I taken, swear to God, I taken like two days of medicine, and she was like, "No, I need this now." And I was like, not supposed to stop like an antibiotic it was amazing <laughs> it was the best time ever <laughs> <laughs> have you gone back to st Barts, or can you never i've never gone back to st Barts. i never. will never go back never, to st Barts. never will and any other beach and you know i will never go back to st Barts ever ever again that island is banned for me i had a lovely travel experience with a family in anguilla however i can highly recommend anguilla <laughs> or, or the family or the family they were just dreamy michaela sound familiar yeah, definitely. It's definitely is <laughs> you get you get one you know one good job and then one bad job or one amazing job and then one mediocre job. They're all so different, and and it doesn't matter where it is or or who you're with. If you're ill or you've got some kids or families that maybe you you don't necessarily get on with a hundred percent in whatever way, it can be go from the best job in the world to the worst quite quickly. What are some of the non-child care? Like Polly's story is sort of still about child care at some point, but. But Mark talked with you about a couple of things that were not childcare related, where like the nannies were having to intervene with family disputes and things like that. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you spend a, quite a lot of our, I guess it's more families who use the same traveling nanny quite a bit, maybe become more of the family a little bit more than than they would if they just went on a two week trip. And yeah, we've had situations where 
we've had to speak to the nanny um, and and kind of <laughs> calm down something that's happened between family members and they've ended up in the middle because they didn't want the children to wake up because there was an argument or, you know, I mean, it can be absolutely anything. People just, if they're comfortable with someone enough, they'll do anything that they would usually do on holiday in front of them and therefore sometimes puts the nanny in a slightly difficult position as to they're there to look after the children, but in order to look after the children, sometimes that involves looking after the adults. <laughs> Do you do any training around that? Do you have any sort of pre-trip conference with the nanny to prepare them for that kind of thing? Not really. Only along the basic lines of, you know, you should you should be aiming for this. You'd be trying to do this. Um, and this is your contract. Don't do anything that's not in your contract. But that kind of stuff you can't really write down. You can't prepare. Those situations that happen, You, if you wrote them down, it would look crazy and no one would ever go on the trip. And it, it is not a common thing. It's just um, it's just your, you are part of the family for whatever time that is. And every family has their own problems or issues. or And sometimes you end up in that. Um, and maybe no choice. <laughs> what are the most common places that you send people to? For us in London, it's Europe. It's very boring. It's France, Spain, Italy. Actually, to be fair, Caribbean is quite big. Yeah, um, yeah. It just depends on the time of the year. In the summer holidays, it's always Europe. Christmas is either the Alps, um, the Dolomites, or like French countryside, or Dubai. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's basically people going for heat or snow. What's the um, skill set for Dubai? <laughs> do, you have to, do, you, do you test where they, whether they can shop? <laughs> no. Although once um, I did have a nanny refused or I think she refused to go to Dubai because um, she looked up the travel laws and, and she thought she might be sharing a room with one of the children who was, I think, 12 or something. And apparently it said you're not allowed to share a room with another male if you're not married to them. Um, and she was going into a profession where they were going to look at her you know, criminal record. And she was worried basically she'd be arrested in Dubai for um, wow. sharing a room with a child anyway so we just took someone else for that job but <laughs> i guess do, countries do have their you know own quirks you have some men who work for you too mannies i suppose yeah we do we have mannies <laughs> <laughs> yes excellent uh, tend to be booked by families with three boys um ah. who who are aged two four and six and have uh, way <laughs> more energy than both the parents combined and they basically want, want a, uh, a young, energetic student to come and run right on the beach with them for seven hours so that they're so tired they'll sleep. That sounds fantastic. Do, I want, yeah. I want do, you, do you ever have requests for nannies who, like, know, know the culture of the place and would kind of know it from an interesting standpoint for kids? Like, I'm wondering uh, if you guys have ever considered, like, creating itineraries for kids, like, you know, I don't know, in Rome for example definitely I definitely i mean cities wise it's very relevant the only city we do it for is london we'll always make sure if families are traveling from another country to london so that's also another part of our business is people coming to us they get a london-based nanny that knows their way around knows where the museums are knows where the clubs are and and that's part of the stipulation so we'll pretty much always put a london visiting family with a london-based nanny other cities we've never done itineraries mainly because cities are quite rare we don't often get city jobs in other countries. I don't really know why. I guess because most of our trade is villas. So um, most of our families hire a villa and hire a nanny um, because it's fairly remote or it's by the beach and there's not, you know, it's the best option for kind of flexible childcare. Whereas maybe in a city it would be too hard to get a property big enough 
you know, you'd have to hire a suite or a couple of suites in a hotel to have enough room for, for everyone. So I guess that might be the reason. But I have to say, having been in a couple of cities in Europe recently with our son, I can actually see a really good case for that. And that yeah, totally. part of part of what we didn't get a chance to do because we had our son with us is um, is actually go out at night. Yeah. Or go out. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be at night, but just I'm thinking, you know, go out to dinner together, you know, um, yeah. without taking him along and then being able to go out afterwards to have a drink or to go, oh, God, help us dancing or, you know, something like that. Just experience, you know, the nightlife of the city, which is something that you really can't do if you have it. You, you can do it in Spain, I guess, yeah. a little bit, you know, because kids are out. But yeah. you're still doing you're still doing kid centric things at night, not doing. And I can tell you that in Barcelona and in uh, Sevilla, I would have loved to have had one of your people or Polly better still um, <laughs> not anymore sorry about that <laughs> not available anymore um, would have been really really nice to you Polly I bet um, <laughs> I've had some wonderful experiences I bet you would have been one of them um, the, the kid on the other hand is a, is a handful, a handful. Um, but yeah it would have been kind of great in, yeah, in the cities there's also like the thing I find in cities is that the local there is such a good local population of babysitters you can tap into that you don't yeah. necessarily need to bring someone with you. It's so much uh, more expensive okay. to bring someone with you, especially in a city, because you're probably in a hotel. And just, like, if they're not going to sleep in your room, like even if the ki- even if your kid's going to sleep in your room with you, your babysitter's not going to. So then you have to get a second room, and then yeah. like, and then you're so but, then you have this like it's more expensive to bring someone with you in a location like that. And there's such access to childcare there already the, yeah. the resources might not necessarily be as well promoted but yeah i mean this is what yeah. i think a service like michaela's offers or the one that you were for is you guys have infrastructure totally you're doing the vetting totally you're 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 sourcing the people carefully totally and for me as a parent i would walk into that situation and have a lot of you know i'm not necessarily a nervous parent but you know i don't speak the language necessarily yeah. or but i'm struggling with it anyway <laughs> well well and my maybe <laughs> Yeah, well, sure. But, you know, who are these people? Yeah. Like, where did they come from? 100%. Who vetted them? You know. it, is a, it is a premium service, and you are 100% paying a premium for that thing. Yeah. And you can bring a travel babysitter wherever you want to go. It's just like... Again. No, but what I want to do is I want to call Michaela and say, I'm going to be somebody in, in Madrid. Yeah, I'm going to be yeah. in Madrid yeah. for, you know, five nights. Like, can you help me get hooked up with somebody while I'm there? Yeah, there's yeah. like, I would say that there's always the potential for that thing. We can, it sounds I mean, used to be able to, used to, be able to hook you up in some cities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in fact, you mentioned Rome. We always get Rome. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but they're looking for someone already there just to do like one evening or something. When we say to them, look, we can have someone from London come fly to you and do this. You know, it, yeah. it's not what they're necessarily after. Whereas if you're in a villa by a beach or with a pool, it's more like a full time thing. You want someone for more hours a day than you would in a city, I think. Yeah. That, that yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. There, are, sure. there are resources you can tap into in cities. They're just not necessarily. It's a little more legwork. Yeah. Like, for the parents. For the, for the parents. Like, I would always recommend to parents traveling that, like, if you tap into an American university, like the American University in Rome, the uh, American, what is, there's that church right on the Seine, on the on Rive Gauche. Um, they have, like, a stable of babysitters that, like, from students who are studying abroad there. And there, you can always find someone who's, like, pretty reputable and, and works through those things, um, who speaks your language and can pop by. Could you hit up a concierge at a decent... You, and, and like, any concierge at a hotel. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a concierge at a hotel will absolutely be able to find you childcare. It will be crazy expensive. Right. <laughs> um, um, but it's just it's way more legwork. It's way easier to find someone who you know and trust, and you trust their taste in childcare, and say, "Do you have someone in this city?" I sometimes imagine that you can fulfill that request. We used to be able to. Fi- we could probably fulfill like Paris probably pretty easily. Although there was a time when a client called. And I was sitting in my office, and she was like, I need a babysitter in, in Paris for a week starting tomorrow. I don't really need a lot of help. I need help on evenings and, like, maybe a few daytime appointments that I have. And there was no one we could find short notice. And I jokingly was like, I, like, I don't think I have anyone. I was like, but we like if you want to take a travel babysitter, we can definitely pull the trigger on that. And she was like, okay, great. Let's do that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's do that. And then I went to Paris the next day. Nice. I wanted to go. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. That was the best one ever. That You did not end up uh, riptides on the Seine. Exactly. No, it was magical. Yeah. It was a really and wonderful babysitting trip. And that one you didn't have to travel with the family that you traveled in. No, they, <laughs> yeah, they flew me over there by myself and flew me back by myself. Oh, nice. Best of all worlds, truly. Yes. <laughs> Winning. Yeah, totally. I deserved it after that St. Bart's one. <laughs> Nikayla, what's next for you? How are you guys growing? What are you thinking about for the future? We're definitely thinking about making um, some big links with, we end up working with lots of the same uh, travel companies. So we're end, we're going to end up hopefully being an add-on service for lots of these villa holiday companies. Um, we, we always find out who the families are going away with and uh, we've got quite a good list and, and it's it's basically repeat. It's all the people who are all going away with the same people. So we're going to try and get it as an actual add-on service like, you know, you book car hire and you book whatever and you just get in touch with us. The problem we have is people love it because it's such a personal thing and we're matching and therefore it makes it a bit less personal. So for new yeah. users and for nervous parents, as you suggested, it's it's we still need to keep that kind of personability about it. So I think I'm not sure how we're going to finish doing that. We've started. Um, maybe it's just referral schemes. Um, but at the moment, all of our business is just coming from word of mouth of parents rather than from companies. And um, I feel like it's something that everyone needs to offer, especially if hotels aren't offering childcare. Or as you said, that they're, you know, sometimes it's about £40 an hour for a, for a babysitter. Yeah. Um, so we need to kind of target those markets. And there are places where they just, you know, islands where there is just nothing, you know, small islands where they don't have any kind of childcare set up for, for tourists. They only have it set up for locals in a different language. And um, yeah. a lot of parents aren't up for that. So we're going to kind of target that. Um, and we're doing a lot more in London as well. There's a lot of people traveling to London from everywhere, especially now the um, pound is a yes. bit weak. <laughs> Brexit. Brexit helps you. <laughs> yeah. So, Good for uh, business. Yeah, we've got a lot of people coming to London, and I think that will still carry on. So we're we're doing lots of like you said, getting nannies to do little tours of London, show the kids around the museums, um, even meet up with you know other kids if they you know set up play dates and things like that. Also, traveling parents, traveling jobs are now huge, and more and more parents are coming to us saying, "I'm traveling around the world doing this. I'm traveling to this place doing this. I want to take my my wife and my child, but." You know, I don't want my wife to be just stuck in the hotel all day, every day. I want her to come with me to conferences or whatever the whatever the job is. So we get a lot more of that. And I think it's because you can now obviously work over the Internet. People are traveling a lot more um, and and especially with kids and especially with babies, because I guess you just put them in a sling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very them. portable. Yeah, exactly. The most, as Pilar says, the most portable form of life. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I love this idea of trying to arrange play dates with kids oh, from amazing. the place. Because I've, I've seen, we stayed on Formentera a couple years ago, and one of the coolest things I saw was our son connecting with like these three other kids that were there and just playing with them all day long for two days in a row and just mm-hmm. kind of picking up some Spanish and you know playing card games and all kinds of other games that he'd never had. It was a, a, among the more you know, like we took him around to cathedrals, we took him to all kinds of other crazy stuff, and he'd just sort of get bored. And then yeah. the thing, meeting the other kids was like the best cultural exchange he could possibly have. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's quite difficult to do if the if the person you're... Um, so in London, obviously, it's easy because the London nannies will know other families that they've worked for or work for. And especially in, um, if you take them to the right places and the right clubs uh, and the right museums, then there's really interactive stuff that kids just have to play with each other. You know, like a water pit in the science museum where the water, you know, squirts out at you and you, you have to play with other children. There's no choice. And if you know where to go and find those activities, you get such a benefit from seeing the child, you know, so interacted with uh, other children or languages or culture. Uh, like you said, you know, we're interested in the you know, the actual museums and the actual cathedrals, but they're not so interested. (laughs) Which do you think the people who do this job like more, travel or kids? You have to like kids to do it, right? Like, no matter how much I love to travel, and I love to travel, like, if you don't have a deep passion for children, like, you travel babysitting will make you want to slit your wrist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I'm like maybe the wrong person for this. I, I like, and I've had wonderful experiences, but like you're like it's it's a lot of work. Like it is a total. It can be a total dream job that is very wonderful and opens you up to a lot of wonderful experiences. If you don't love children, if you don't love being around children, like what the hell are you doing there? Yeah. It can be it can be monstrous, yeah. and so like there has to be this one really rewarding moment that makes the whole thing like really incredible like a break like a kid breakthrough even in St. Bart's like that like four-year-old devil <laughs> like she like came around at the end like she and I were on the same page and it was like us against the world by the end of it and like that I love I love children um and love being around kids and love seeing how they explore things and seeing kids travel mm. is awesome yeah. like seeing them explore the world and figure out their place in it and, and how they can fit in and that things are different from them and from what they know and that different is okay and different is good and, and forcing them to try new foods. Like seeing that whole thing unroll is such a, a privilege to watch. And if you don't know that going in, then you are not in for a good time. Yeah. Zeke, where are you guys going next? Marissa's going to South Africa without anybody in like a <gasps> month, which we're all very jealous <laughs> what? about. What? Oh, yeah, that totally. is not She's- okay. Yeah, she's going on a photo shoot, so she's there for five days for work, but then she's, you know, doing like four days of safari afterwards because she's there, of course. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, totally not fair. And I'm in the middle of my busy season. Normally, I would try to tag along for those kinds of things, but uh, I'm in the middle of my busy season by that point, so that's not happening. I don't think we have anything scheduled until we go to Vail in January. And at this point, we've been going there so long that we don't take our nanny anymore because the kids know their way around. They know yeah. their they know the way to the ski lift. They know the way to lessons like and it's such such a safe place that they can kind of just go. Um, such a, which is such a joy. Which is, oh, my gosh. And it's so f- much fun to see them yeah. like in that space, you know, as you guys were talking about, you know, the cultural space, you know, obviously this is smaller. But, you know, when you see that kind of growth and excitement and being in a place and 
making it your own it's 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 a lot of that's a lot of fun to watch maybe you don't know this yet but at what age do you feel like it's just not really going to be necessary anymore to bring her along you know at this point i don't think we would travel with anybody what's uh, your age range with the kids we, we, they're they're twins and they're seven. Oh, sure um, and you know i would say that they're they're pretty good yeah. mindful children mostly uh, <laughs> um, they are so, <laughs> yeah, I was they are they're extremely well behaved uh, they're very sweet and very well behaved so I think, I think for me, you know, I'd probably be, you know, for me, I'd probably be more interested in finding the local childcare um, for evenings or to show a kid around the city from a kid's point of view a little bit more than I would, you know, having a full-time, full-time nanny. You know, God, I, I love I would, that idea I would agree. finding a local kid. That's great. The, the age for us is usually up to about eight um, when the youngest child is about eight. So yeah. like... Sometimes there's older kids, but they still, it's usually when they know that they can swim and not get lost and <laughs> right, run away. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when those three things are covered, then, then it's not so necessary. But if you've got parents who go out in the evenings every night, then it can be until you trust them to be on their own, which might be 12, 13, yeah. Yeah. Right. 15 even, depending on the child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, thank you guys very much for dropping in and talking to us. Thank you, Zeke, and thank you, Michaela. Um, it's been really great. Thank you, Polly, for Pleasure. coming down and uh, sharing your horror stories. There have been and, some and good your ones. stories I of have, delight. I have some good ones. Yeah. Just the, fun, the bad ones are so much more fun to talk about right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> My pleasure. And, and more fun to hear. Exactly. Everybody should go and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And you should visit us at cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. And CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. And we would love for you to tweet at us, send us feedback, review us on iTunes, let us know what you'd like to hear, let us know what you hate. It's okay. You can hate. And why don't we go around and tell people, Michaela, tell people how they can get in touch with you. Sure, they can go to mytravelingnanny.co.uk um, or look us up on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we're just My Traveling Nanny. Excellent. Zeke, I got to hear the, the, the B-Raw honey. Let's hear it. <laughs> the B-Raw honey. So we are a um, single varietal honey source from around the United States, and you can find us at braw.com. And it's excellent stuff. And that's Thank B, like, a, like the B. Like B like the B-E-R-A-W, braw.com. Good, yeah. good and punny. What's your favorite? What's your favorite honey right now? My favorite honey with? right now is a honey called Meadow Foam, and it's a it's a flower that's actually grown for its seed, which is used created. They create an oil and use it in cosmetics. But the honey itself creates this kind. Of, you get these notes of like cotton candy and creme brulee, and it's unlike anything you've ever tasted before. It goes really great with like your alpine cheeses and things mm. like that. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff. You can find a lot and good cocktail recipes um, oh. on our site. Uh, a lot of cheese pairings, recipes, all kinds of good stuff on our site, braw.com. Okay, we're going to have to have a, one of Zeke's cocktails at the podcast. Yeah, That's next time. Idea. My favorite cocktail is a bee's knees, which is bee, a uh, honey and honey and gin and a little bit of lemon. Honey oh, and gin. great. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Let's do I it. thought that was medicine when I have a cold. Bees knees? Yes, what you just said. <laughs> what you just described. Friday night, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Polly, where are you at? I'm a 
Traveler, pal. You can find me at cntraveler.com. But I'm our managing editor, so there's not a lot of my content there. But well, I you do, got I, the I, Instagram. I got the Instagram. I am at. Met- you are good <laughs> with the Instagram. I'm a good little Instagrammer. You can find me at Matin Osol, which is very annoying, but it's M A T I N A U X S A U L E S. That's Excellent. my Instagram name. Excellent. Wow. You are passionate about the French. I am. I am a French of Frenchophile. Francophile. Francophile. <laughs> I prefer Frenchophile. This is a little more charming. <laughs> Freedomophile. <laughs> a Frenchophile. But that's where I'm at. Cool. And I'm at Bradrick. That's it for us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for dropping by.